Imagine building an organization that provides not just for you and your family, but for the families of hundreds more. A brand recognized as a leader in your field. Why is it that some leaders are able to inspire a team and have a profound impact on our world, while others attempt to beat their teams into submission through micromanagement and managers who, regardless of title, are not leaders, costing their business to lose great talents and resources through attrition and toxic culture, ultimately running a great brand right into the ground? There is something else at play here, and we want to know why. It's your brand. Protect it. Welcome to Brandology Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Mosier, alongside co-host David Morrow. We explore great leaders, great brands, and the reasons why they succeed. We also take a look at stories of toxic cultures and the fall of some iconic brands. We'll play brand trivia and interview some of the leading entrepreneurs in today's business world. Before we get started, let's explain why two ridiculous grown men started this podcast in the first place. David and I want to let everyone understand why we do what we do. Think about what a brand actually is. It's what others say about you and your organization after you leave the room. And we want to protect that reputation. Data breaches literally destroy brands that have been around for generations. We've seen it with our own eyes. When trust is broken, brands are severely damaged and often irreparably. If you take pride and joy in your brand, which you should, because it's everything that matters, then take the necessary steps to protect it from cyber threats. A data breach is a breach of trust. So come talk to us at All Covered. We have a national footprint with local offices to help keep your brand in business. It's your brand. Protect it. So uh, welcome, everybody, to Brandology Podcast. I am your host, David Morrow, and my illustrious co-host, Mark Mosher, is in the studio today. Mark, how are you? I am doing well, David. I, I like the illustrious. That's uh, that's good. I you appreciate it. I called that. you illustrious, I think, for five episodes. In yeah, and I'm not really sure I even know what the word means, but it no, sounds but really I'll, cool. I'll look it up. I have a, an app that talks about insincere comments to give to coworkers. That's what it means. <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> what it means. for illustrious. <laughs> So I'm really excited. In the studio today is a former boss of mine, a former co-worker, a good friend, somebody I respect very much, Terry Mulhern. Terry, welcome. Hey, thank you for having me. I'm excited. Really, yeah, I'm excited for that, that, that you're here. So I'm, I'm just here for the trivia game. So. That is what <laughs> it's all You are the first guest to ever <laughs> say that. <laughs> I'm telling you, those brandology bucks don't grow on trees, boys. That's, yeah, that's right. All I do is watch rain. Jeopardy every night. So, <laughs> oh <right>. no, <laughs> we we send them. We we convert them to from cryptocurrency. Then they go to a Swedish bank account. It's all very complicated. <laughs> very very high finance. Yeah, very high tech. Yeah, all of our team members <laughs> back there are working on it. So, um, so Terry, tell us, uh, tell the people. Uh, kind of who you are, what you're currently doing, but I want to talk about your arc because you've had a phenomenal career in um, uh, not just marketing per se, but in brand development and uh, and leadership. And so I really want to touch on that. Yeah, I, I like to call it eclectic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's yeah. really it's it's, it a, is. it's a true American story, right? Like what you do, what you like, you have, you have. It seems like you have. I, I know you very well, so like I. It seems like you have dual passions, right? There's an artistic part 
Um, we had Eric Jacobs on several episodes yeah, ago. Yeah. So there, there, there's a whole artistic part, a creative part, and then there's the um, analytical part of finance and everything else that you're really good at. So talk, t- tell, tell, tell us about that. Yeah, I mean, it goes back to high school days where, you know, from my freshman year to junior year, uh, I was building a portfolio in art to go to art school. Uh, I was ex- Very cool. accepted into the Pittsburgh Institute of Art. I mean, it was dead set on going, wasn't applying anywhere else. And then- How were your parents with that? How was your were, dad with that? He was awesome. He was <laughs> awesome. Was he really? Fully, See, that's a great supportive. dad. That's a great dad. Um, yeah, my dad would've kicked my ass. My dad was a great dad too, but he would've kicked my ass. Fully supportive, the whole family was supportive. Um, some of I was passionate about, loved to do. Um, and at some point when my brother said, maybe you should just apply, two of my brothers went to John Carroll. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm the youngest of five. They said, you should at least apply. And I'm like, okay. I think my brother filled out most of the application for me actually. <laughs> you know, I kind of signed it, we sent it in. And I just had this epiphany at some point. I'm like, you know, I love art, but I'm just, I just don't think I'm good enough to be an artist full-time. And uh, I don't want to be a starving artist. Earn a living from it. So I decided to go to John Carroll, get my finance degree. My goal was to graduate uh, and then go straight to New York and work on Wall Street. Oh, um, wow. That was That was my goal. Uh, I see that side of with, you, too. Yeah, I graduated with a B average from John Carroll, and you learn quickly B average from John Carroll doesn't get you on the Wall Street. Um, <laughs> doesn't open that door for you, doesn't, does it? I think, I think straight A's from Yale, Harvard, and some of those places <laughs> get, you, get you to Wall Street and the hedge funds. So I joined a local bank. It was called uh, Ameritrust at the time as a financial analyst. I uh, moved up and started headed up the retail finance department. They merged with Society Bank, which merged with Key Bank, and, and, really Key Bank. Yeah. Up, and really headed up the retail finance team. Uh, we did a lot on pricing, product profitability, you know, forecasting of losses, um, a lot of model building, you know, big heavy model buildings. You know, this is the That's days cool. of Lotus one, two, three. Oh yeah. Um, and we were crashing them because they were so big and complex as how much data we we're trying to push through. So w- around what time frame? real quick, is that during like the heyday of the mortgage industry and in that time frame? Yeah. So it's 90, 91, 92, 93 okay, in that yeah. range. Yeah. Uh, lots of mergers during that time. Um, I moved up very fast in the organization. I think every person who worked for me at a team was significantly older than me. Um, and I really wanted to move into marketing. I was really missing that creative element. And, you know, within the bank, I was kind of considered this, you know, financial savant who, you know, there's no way you can do marketing, you know, you know we're keeping this path in finance. So I had the opportunity to move to MBNA. They were the fastest growing you know, credit card issuer in the country. They were the best at marketing by far. Um, but it was a pretty large organization when I joined, but not huge. Um, I was there for seven years. I think for every seven years there, they grew at least by 25% per quarter, every single quarter. That's amazing. Um, that is incredible. I think they had the longest streak of quarterly earnings above 25%. 
of any NASDAQ stock at the time. Wow. Wow. But it was, it was a great jump because, you know, it was real, a lot of it was direct marketing, which means it's very data driven, but you still got the design pieces. You still got to do the artwork, work with the creative teams. Um, also got involved in sales a little bit, you know, sales support. I had account management teams. Um, became the VP within the region, uh, central region. The cool thing about MBA is that we partnered with thousands of other organizations. We never really marketed under the MBA brand. So uh, when we're talking about branding, right. you know, the internal brand of our culture was the best and the strongest I've ever seen in my life. Really, so that's phenomenal. So tell us about that. Let's 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 take a let's go a little bit deeper there. What is yeah. it about that that made that brand or and that culture? One hundred one hundred percent focused on people from the frontline people on the phones. Yep. So very Simon Sinek, Brene Brown, Seth Godin based kind of it, things. You know, that suit they, and tie for every one of them every day. Uh, we're growing so fast that we're always trying to recruit the next manager. So the opportunity for growth wow, was always huge. Um, they had something above every doorway. It said, think of yourself as a customer. That, uh, I love that. Good. Yeah, you know, I love that. But think of how many doorways there were in MBA across all the offices across the country and including oh, that's Europe. That's a great visual. That's a lot of doorways. That's a great visual, right? And there was not a single doorway in the entire company that didn't have it on both sides. Wow. It was that important. Think of to yourself that. as the customer. Yeah. And your paycheck, you know, said brought to you by the customer. Really? Um, I like oh, that. Absolutely. That's a- and, you know, we talk about branding. Every single building inside that company was painted exactly the same, the same stripes, same color. Uh, they have great artwork on the wall. Yep. Um, very professional, start to finish. Um, normally when you do reviews of your teams, we're all used to this, right? So you get your manager in front of you and you're going through a team and you're talking about who you may want to promote, who you may not want to and everything. and Usually, I've been through this in dozens of companies. At MBA, it was, well, why can't you promote him faster? Why aren't wow. you doing a better job promoting him faster? Why does he have to wait two years? Why well, can't so, you get them so there true. in one year? I mean, it's so true, right? I mean, the way to judge your own leadership is how the people that you manage become successful and empower, right? Like that means you are, you are leading them well, right? As opposed to just a manager who is trying to squeeze out as much productivity as you can get. Yeah, you, you get so used to, you know, presenting to the, and try to present, so I want to promote somebody, they're like, well, does he really deserve it? Did he work hard enough? And da, da, da. And then you're getting the opposite approach. Like, why isn't he being promoted? You know, what, are, what aren't you doing to make sure he's ready to go? So that's um, interesting. That's just, I'm not going to comment, but I'll just say this. It's that's a that's a slightly different culture than one you and I have experienced. Yeah, and I've never experienced <laughs> that culture anywhere else like that. Right. Because um, it's rare. It's rare that people get it right. That an organization that large, in fact, gets it right. 
there were a huge family first was definitely a mantra. You know, I love that. Your family comes first. If there's something you need to do for your family, you must take care of that first. Yep. Uh, there were the one organization that said, you know, if you want your spouse, sister, cousin, brother to work here, absolutely. If you oh, love here great. working that much, you know, and you're willing to bring your family members, we want them. Well, you know, it's a compliment, isn't it? When somebody brings their own family members in, yeah, that's a so compliment to the company. Like, oh my gosh, yeah. they want to bring more of their blood in. Like, why would you not so, want that? Uh, the whole approach is different. Um, until you became a VP, you spent four hours on the phone every single month, regardless of what job you had. Mm-hmm. Really? So even if you're in IT, you spent four hours on the month of a month answering phone calls from clients so that wow. you know exactly what business we were in. That's great. Um, that really makes sense. That. I love that. And then once you became a VP or higher, it didn't end. You just listened as groups and dissected them and tried to figure out, you know, what's happening. Is there systematic things we can fix? Um, why are we answering the questions this way? Um, so everybody stayed connected to their customer and from every single level. Um, every phone in the entire company was answered the exact same way. Uh, the president CEO answered the same way as the same person from a tele- telemarketing rep. How would they answer? Like, yeah, what, what was that? Yeah. Do you remember what that was? Yep, it's MBNA at your service. How may I help you? I love that. Everybody very answered simple, the phone. very, very yep. right to the point. Hundred percent of the phones were answered that way. Um, every phone had to be answered within two rings. Wow. Um, by a live person. And they measured it every day and they posted it every day. They posted it by department as a measure of how well we're serving our clients is that we answer that phone in two rings every single day. Um, that's pretty impressive because that's even at, even at a, you know, a departmental level or, yeah. you know, a small division level, that's really difficult. But to have something like that company-wide, that's really, I guess that really lends to the, the, the forethought or the, the culture that you were a part of. If leadership is like, hey, we're, we're not going to do this just at a department level. This is what everybody's doing from the C-suite down, you know, to the janitor. We're all answering it this way. Yep. Yeah. And you pull into the parking lot, all the executives have to park in the back of the parking lot, the farthest spots <laughs> really? away. I don't think uh, I've ever so, seen that before. So it's the opposite the of the movie office. In the back. Yeah. I mean, there's just so many of these examples where, you know, in every credit card industry, there's a collections department, mm-hmm. but not at MBA. They had a customer assistance department. The whole goal was them to help them figure out how they get their bills paid. We weren't trying to collect for them, we're just trying to help them. Um, wow, so, that's a totally different approach. Uh, yeah. Uh, that's a great PR move. Yeah. So internally, the, I mean, I can come up with probably another 20 of those wow. that made that company culture unique and different. Um, and that sticks with me today. Hey, everybody. Uh, Mark and I are really excited about the upcoming episode with Brian Scudamore, CEO and founder of 1-800-GOT-JUNK and many other brands. He is well known. He's been on Oprah. He's been in Forbes magazine. He's written Wall Street Journal articles. You know his brands. We can't wait for you to meet him and have access to all of his wisdom in terms of culture and branding. And as always, please don't forget to subscribe and follow and download 
and watch for the new episode with Brian Scudamore. Thanks for listening. Things we can do to improve on the customer service side. So that really helps you as a leader because then when you're sitting in startups or, I mean, you've been all over the map, right? So you've been at various levels of all these different organizations. You're able to say, look, I know what really good looks like. Yeah. I see what we're doing right. And I see what we're, where we're struggling. Um, let me give you some ideas. That's really cool. Yeah. It, yeah that, it, there could be no better experience than that, to have that experience. That's, that's um, fantastic. So tell, tell us about, um, there's, there's a couple other things uh, you have going, right? You have, uh, you were with uh, Things Remembered, right? Yep. So I decided to get out of the giant pond and, mm-hmm. you know, it's a large company across the country and joined a $300 million retail company marketing. Mm-hmm. You know, eventually became VP and head up marketing and part of the executive team. We had 800 stores. Uh, we had a great online presence. Um, you know, catalogs going out each and every single month. And that was a little bit of a culture shock, you know, going from, you know, you know what is it, fifty billion dollar company with you know three hundred million? Right. But you know, really, that's when I got involved in you know working on the branding and right. who we are and trying to evolve the brand um, from where we were to where we wanted to get to. Working with the executive team and really visualizing, you know, where we want to get to, you know, and getting everybody on board. Is this is where we want to be? You know, you start with the end in mind, you know, build backwards and try to evolve just the brand upward without losing your existing customer base. That's excellent. So, That's so, good. Yeah. So it was, I was there for seven years, um, learned a tremendous amount about retail. It's a unique industry. You know, you, you're worried about comp store sales. sales oh, it's a tough industry. Isn't it? I mean, there, there are people um, that are committed to it. It's a very, very, and it's a great, it's, it's a good career, but it's a, it's, it's a hard one, right? I mean, there's long hours. There's a lot of customer interaction. It's, it's tough to make a living in retail. Oh yeah. And you get in the sales report every day. How did yes. you do yesterday? And wow. three, See, that's eight, that oh, right yeah. there. That, that tells you that level of detail. Oh yeah, I have two. Da- I have two daughters that are in kind of management in in retail, and they talk about it all the time. They're 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 like, this week just wasn't like last week. I'm like, you guys are going down to like they're going down to the day. They're like, well, Tuesday was a great day, Dad. But then, but I'm like, what? Wow, like that's crazy. Like every interaction is almost a metric. Yeah, and it's after three days, it's a trend, right? Yes, exactly, right. Wow, really? Yeah. After three days, there's a three, trend. We days, do IT. We're trend. like, we're like looking at data from like six months, right? Yeah. We're looking at long term. We're like, I, I don't see any trends here. We're looking at three months worth of data, and then and, and then they're looking at three days, and then they see, see a trend. That's phenomenal. And that's a trend, and we're going to take action. We're right, discount exactly. something. We're going to yeah. change products. We're going to change Move the focus. displays, change the product line, the whole thing. Yeah, so you're, you're, you're living great. that week by week thing, but the other part is you're planning almost a year out from like a seasonal perspective, right? You got your product development wow. working on next year's product. They're almost a year out. You're working on the next two seasons out. So you're working on like 
three different timelines all at the same time. Yeah, I've got a question. Just just off the off track a little, but for um, for things remembered, would they do? Because I've always read this, and I don't know how much ver- validity there is to it. But would they do like seventy percent of their annual revenue just around Christmas time? Not them, but I mean retail in general. A lot of retail. Is that accurate or no? It, it's accurate that you go into out of the red and into the black. You know, that's oh, okay. when you start making profit. Sure, because all during the year you have resources, you have store, you have commercial real estate, utilities, all of that. Yeah. Tapping out the, the building up the red. And then during that time, it's very profitable. It's very, very much in the black gotcha. during that period of time. That's a good, that's a great way of answering that. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Very cool. And then you had a stint at a uh, illustrious firm that uh, you and I got to work at. And uh, I do have to say that I was involved in the mortgage industry, um, had several rental properties, was making a killing in the mortgage industry. And then 2008 happened and I was leveraged to the exact opposite way of anybody should be leveraged. (laughs) So I was like a lost puppy in like 2009, 2010. I was like, holy cow, someone just hit me over the head. And uh, you were kind enough to uh, at least give me an interview and talk to me. And you you saved my life. You saved my family's life. So I don't think you know that. I don't think I've ever told you that, but it's an absolute fact. So um, thank you for that. And you, just, you, you didn't give me you didn't give me a gift. You didn't give me like a golden egg or anything. But you said like I'll give you a shot. You're like I I believe in you. I'll give you a shot. And uh, and you did. And you really really helped me. And uh, and we did well. Like we we took that company and we grew that company. We had a really good run. I mean, we took yeah. a, like an educational IT company and just blew it up. Like we had school districts all over the place. So it was, yeah. it was a really fun run. When I when I joined, I think they're a little less than two million dollars in annual sales. Right, they're yeah. unprofitable. Yep. Within three years, you know, you joined shortly thereafter as my yep. you know head salesperson out there, knocking on the doors, you know, bringing in deals, and we were up close to ten million dollars within three years. Yes, we wow. were. That's exactly <laughs> right. And and Terry, you were the one that taught me about drop offs, Mark. <laughs> does those with me like mark does those mark and my and our sales team do those and i'm like guys you have to understand i learned this from terry mulhern who used to head up like <laughs> he was involved with nationwide it's a long story but you we have to go and do this we break up a county we get you know over the next six months we are going to physically hand people all of this data and then when we make calls during winter time right when we don't want to be out driving when we make calls they're not cold calls we're following up on the data that we've that we've physically handed them and we're going to follow up where that went and what yep. we want to talk about. It's a brilliant, it was a brilliant tactical move and um, uh, it's really helped our sales. Mark is one of our head salesmen nationally right now. So yeah, it's it, really it working. Worked, so It worked really well, especially as we were trying to go into new markets. Yes, right? well that's we, what I'm talking about. I'm talking about net new sales. I'm not talking about managing existing accounts or growing existing accounts. Just net new people that don't know you, that, that, you know, you have something genuinely that will help them, but uh, they just don't know who you are, right? They haven't heard the name. They don't know anything about you. You're a stranger. And so Mark and I always call it like dating or like walking (laughs) into a poker match and the other guys don't know you, right? And so you have to kind of just 
be honest and you know lay your cards out and be transparent and uh and then it works it's really good yeah part of it is just trying to be as efficient as possible because sometimes right. we, we would get an appointment you know in cincinnati right it's a great appointment but you're going to be driving three hours to get there right so you don't want to go there and hit your appointment and come back Right. right. Stop and knock on another 12 exactly. door. Exactly. Exactly. There's 12 or 15 drop-offs you can make on your way there and on your way back. On your way back. You know, I just met with this superintendent from this school. Exactly. He thought I should stop by and introduce myself. You know, here's why, who I am. Here's what we're doing. You know, here's what we're talking to with this superintendent. You know, he thought it'd be beneficial for you too. That's yeah. awesome. And, yep. that was, and it works yeah. because it's genuine. Yeah, it does. It's literal. It's 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 legit, it's honest, and people like people that they can trust. So And I can remember some of our a couple of our largest clients came from drop offs. Yes, they did. Right? You know, we yep. got a meeting with some small little rinky dink school, but we hit the drop offs and yep. then you know, we brought on some larger accounts, which made yep. a huge difference. Very cool. Very cool. And what did you do, real real briefly, what did you do for uh, Nationwide? Yeah, so so Nationwide was a unique gig. Um, so when I left um, Things Remembered, I got off there, this consulting job for a smaller company. Um, and they were trying to bring me on with stock options and some other stuff to head up marketing and product development. I'd met with the chief marketing officer and the president of the you know, direct channel. And I turned down the job, said, you know what? Oh, wow. I, I got this job that's a small company, but they're giving me these equity opportunities. And so I turned down the job. I was there probably maybe two months. And then the, dis co the company decided to go in a new direction and fire the CEO and then fire everybody who was good. He brought in, which I was one of those folks. And Two weeks before that happened, the CMO from Nationwide called me and said, hey, Terry, I'm just checking in. I know it's a small company, kind of risky. If anything happens, let me know. We still think you're the perfect person for this job. Um, within a week, I called him back and said, hey, something changed. And uh, he was like, if you can be here in a week, the job is yours. So I was there the very next day uh, in his office saying, okay, so let's get this done. And they had this unique position open where they had this affinity marketing department, which wasn't really doing well, affinity much. Affinity marketing, that's what I was trying to think of. Right, right. So, it, which is exactly what I did for MBA, mm -hmm. you know, for seven years. And they had this direct-to-consumer division, which was really trying to compete with Progressive and Geico, right? The, the measurement of success was how many people did we get apply online? And how many people are calling our 800 number and getting quotes? Right. So I headed up two vastly different teams in their marketing division and property and casualty. Um, one focused on the affinity segment and growing that and turning that into a business. And that became, in the six years I was there, went from nothing to the fastest growing division uh, within Nationwide. And then the other second fastest growing was the direct to consumer side of the business, which was driving folks to our online application into our call centers as well. So I got to head up both of those. And with the affinity side, which is kind of cool, I got salespeople out there doing the B2B sales. Mm -hmm. And I have marketers and account managers uh, managing that business. 
Um, so it was kind of a unique combination of bringing together my MBA experience and my things remembered experience of you know direct to consumer marketing. So it kind of was this perfect match for my background. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah that's 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 great, excellent experience. And I think shortly after that is when you and I first met. Yep, that's when um, one of the owners that I did a short um, time with when I was consulting asked me to come in and become chief operating officer because he was moving, he had multiple companies, and he was moving to really spend more time in his other company. Let me come in and be chief operating officer of this small tech company. Um, and it was up in Akron, Ohio, where my kids were. Yep, so it kind of uh, worked out. So I got remarried, we were all gonna move up. Yep. But unfortunately, we never move up. Um, you know, my wife's um, you know, ex-husband, we went back to court, we weren't able to move. So I ended up commuting to Akron for three right. years. Right, so you were based in Columbus, right? Yes. Right, and exactly. then and I, and it, I, at the time when you and I met, I had moved to, you moved me out from uh, Northern Indiana, Indiana over to Akron, Indiana, and then I the wound up moving to Columbus anyway. Yeah, exactly. When you, Rootstown, right? Is right. Where we were? Yep. 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 And then I, I wound up moving to uh, Columbus anyway. Yeah. So, yeah. Columbus, Ohio is a, f- a phenomenal city. So, um, it, it's it's one of the first, uh, talking about Columbus real quick, and then we're going to take a little break and do some brand culture trivia, is uh, Columbus, Ohio has one of the first, like, automated bus lines. Like really, autonomous Columbus? vehicles. Oh yeah, I love it. I was I, I was in there. I had an IT meeting with a with an attorney, and uh, we just hopped on. And he wasn't even aware of it, and he lived there. And we hopped on, and he's like, "Where's where's the effing uh, driver?" I'm like, "There's no driver." I'm <laughs> like, just have a seat. Uncomfortable feeling. It's all done on the app that I just paid for. You just have a seat, buddy. And the bus took us around the city over to the restaurant that we were going to. It's really cool. I mean, and Facebook moved, like Facebook just opened up a, um, a center um, right on the outskirts of Columbus because of all the fiber underneath the ground. Oh. Really, really, really ahead of its time. So for a small town, for a smaller big city, it's, uh, it's, it's quite unique. So, okay. So the city of Columbus, feel free to reach us out. Reach out to us <laughs> at Brandology Podcast because we would love to uh, have your endorsement. Okay, so let's take a break. Okay. Let's do some brand culture trivia. I'm going to uh, play the intro right now. Ladies and gentlemen. Welcome, everyone, to Brand Culture Trivia, where the points don't matter, but the brand does. In this segment, we play a trivia game against our guest. I'm your host, Mark Mosier, along with my co-host, David Morrow. David, tell us about the rules and the awesome prizes. Absolutely. The rules are as follows. You get to guess as fast as you can. You get as many answers as you want, and the first one to give the right answer wins a point. The first contestant to three points wins the game. What do you get if you win? Glad you asked. You get 14,684 Brandology bucks. What is that worth? Those are absolutely worthless. But we might send you a sticker for playing. So let's get started with brand culture trivia. 
David, why don't you spin the wheel of trivia and see what our first question is? All right, here I go. It is a heavy, heavy wheel. And I repeat, that is why grown-ass men should not have a podcast. <laughs> so, all right, so we are going to do brand culture trivia, and I am in our uh, renovated studios here, and I have uh, my entire team of little green men and women that produce all of the company slogans and the trivia for us. Tony is the head uh, engineer over there. Tony, how are you? Good to see you. Okay, Not so I'm going to say a company slogan. Okay. Yes, they're little green men green, and women. Green. They're little green men and women. Because, you know, we're it's coming on the holidays. After the holidays is um, St. Patrick's Day, green. That's why they're little green. Oh, uh, okay. And they're little green that. men and women because it's the Me Too movement. And we have the 2021 Brandology Female Summit. So it, there's little green men and women. So I thought they'd be Oompa Loompas, so. Oompa Loompas. Yeah. <laughs> they're orange, dude. They're orange. <laughs> Let's keep the colors right. Okay. So we're going to do, I'm going to say a company slogan. You guys are going to do the brand or company name, a brand or product name, okay? All right. Example, Just Do It, Nike. Got okay. Milk, California Milk Processor Board or the dairy industry, right? Breakfast of Champions, Wheaties. All right, so we get we understand the game. All right, All right. you are competing, Terry Mahorn. You are competing against Mark Mosher for sixteen thousand eight hundred and sixty-four Brandology bucks, which unfortunately our e-commerce site is down. Yeah, the e-commerce. Other site than that, down. when it's up, talk about that when when it's up. You're gonna win big, I promise. Yeah. So, I like Bitcoin. I'm ready. <laughs> All right. Let's go. See, some of these I know he's going to know. Oh, I have one I want to ask you, too. All right. Uh, so, And guess as many answers as you can think of, meaning if you're going to say Visa, say Visa, MasterCard, American Express. Say them real fast because you're allowed to answer more than one. Okay? Okay. All right. Company slogan. Question one. The best a man can get. Barbasol. Shick. Nope. Nope. Keep going. Gillette. Uh, Gillette, who guessed it? Who guessed that? Was that Terry or Mark? It's me, buddy. Mark, Mark. right here. Wow! Holy cow! Co-host <laughs> with the win. Wow, Terry, I'm, I'm I apologize for Mark's surprise. <laughs> okay. He's cheating, but that's okay. I mean, he probably is. <laughs> he just shot me the answer in the chat window. <laughs> no, He's I did Hands up! Hands up! Yet when we do this, when we do things on Zoom, we have to have hands up. Okay. All right. Let me find another one. Um, mm, mm, mm. Oh, Terry, she does. Company slogan. What's in your wallet? American Express. Close. Keep going. Visa, MasterCard. Visa, Diners Club. Not Discover. Diners Club. Not Diners Club because it's not 1940. <laughs> Discover. Nope. Discover. Uh, Jennifer... Um, Garner is the uh, spokesperson. What's in your wallet? Is it Visa or MasterCard or American Amex. Express? It is. It's not Amex. the. It's not that. That's the type of card, but it's the bank that. Oh, um, Wells Fargo, oh. Wachovia. Well, Wachovia 
Wachovia was acquired by Wells Fargo, Mark, like 10 years ago. Uh, Chase, Bank America. PNC. KeyBank. Close. Fifth third. Oh, man, when I tell you guys, you're going to be so bummed. National uh, City. Um, uh, Nat City got acquired in like 09 like a long time ago <laughs> yeah it was a while ago we're all showing our age and our experience <laughs> in finance all three of us okay i'm gonna put that in the vault uh it is capital one ah uh, cap one what's in your wallet capital one visa mastercard okay all right terry you should know this one because i first saw it when i worked with you oh my uh, eric jacobs actually showed it to me so, okay, it is a video from the CEO on YouTube that went viral, and now it's everywhere. So here's the company slogan, shave time, shave money. You're saying shave? Shave time, shave money. It's like lamb, the B is silent. Shave time, <laughs> lamba, lamba. You're saying Pam. Pam. I'm actually pronouncing the S and the H, Mark. <laughs> that's a line not, from, not, that's not, from I'm Step Brothers. Saying, <laughs> if I said save time, save money, but the H is silent, then your comment would have made sense. Are we back to razors again? Yes, we're yeah, back to razors. Apparently, we have a lot of testosterone. <laughs> <laughs> For a podcast that produces the freaking female leadership summit, apparently, we ask a lot of questions about shaping faces. I don't know why. Is the is it one of the newer ones out there? Like the yeah, shape it's kind of new. Yeah, what'd you say? Like the shape club ones? Yes. Yeah. What's the name of it? Oh God. Dude, like really the one dollar razor, like the, Do the dollar. So dollar close, you showed this to me. It dollar club. It was ten years Do ago, but you showed it to me. Dollar, dollar club, club or did, did I'm I'm giving that to Terry. It was Dollar Shave Club. Wow. Oh. and I'm giving it to Terry, and I'll tell you. The video was hilarious. If anybody, in fact, on this episode, I'm going to post the video. I want to post the video. I write it at the notes because it is one of the funniest advertisements I've ever seen in my life. And it was the owner, the founder, who got on YouTube and he just did it. And he was just like, "Are our razors any good for a dollar a month? Like for a dollar a month, we'll ship them to your house. Like, are 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 they any good? No, not at all." He's like, yeah. they're effing great. And then he just like goes off and they have like this dancing bear and stuff. It's hilarious. So, okay. It's one to one. Let's keep going. All right. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to tell you this one, Terry. I, I'm hoping you get it. Okay. I know that you use the product. There's your hint. <laughs> I know for a fact that you use this product. All right. Company slogan, all for freedom, freedom for all. MasterCard, Visa. No. Wachovia. All for freedom. It's not a banking thing. It's a mode of transportation. Oh. Uh, Volkswagen. Good uh, guess. Chevrolet. Good guess. And Vito I know Honda. that you had a Volkswagen when I knew you. I know. I yes. had a Honda, Volkswagen, Acura. Good guess. But it's all for freedom, freedom for all. It's a mode of transportation. Let me. Okay. Harley Davidson. 
Yes, that's the answer. Uh, Mark, wait I think. Wait a minute, Mark. I, I, there's no objecting to the to the answer because I think that we have actually had people on this podcast. Terry, check this out, and you'll agree with this. They've done such a good job at that brand, right? That people have the logo tattooed on their bodies. We've had people on our podcast <laughs> yeah. that have had the logo tattooed on their bodies and own Harleys and don't know that that's the slogan. Yeah, I I use Harley-Davidson if when you make it, when people tattoo your logo to your body. Exactly. You know, yeah, you know you've done something right. You cannot talk about a brand better than the fact that they are tattooing my logo on their body. Like When's the last time you see it, you want. if people were tattooing the all covered logo on their body, I'd be yeah. happy as hell. We're going to see a lot of uh, a lot really of Yamaha. Uh, I am tattoos. really proud. I'm really proud When's of the last time you see covered, the, uh... But I would be really extraordinarily proud if they were getting tattoos of all covered. That'd be yeah, cool. a Kia. I haven't seen a Kia tattoo lately. I haven't, lately. Seen, a <laughs> I haven't seen a Kia tattoo anywhere. Toyota. <laughs> I haven't seen those tattoos. No, me either, man. That's good. All right, it is two to one. Mark came out of the gate strong with his first one. And I know the scores aren't really high, but consider this like soccer, right? Like the score is going to be like <laughs> three to one, nil, three nil. to two after like three hours, and it's a big deal. So it's like soccer. So, okay, here we go. Um, the snack that smiles back. Uh, goldfish. Holy shit. Yeah. Well, I didn't even know. get an answer. That's not even fair. Oh, that was fair. He's like a marketing guru. <laughs> 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 it's shit. I'm That's over here watching, That's <laughs> watching Will Ferrell reruns, and he's a marketing guru. <laughs> Mark's like watching reruns of Ricky Bobby and yeah. Talladega Nights. Going, and, fi- and finding it in- intellectually stimulating. <laughs> we have this. We have this thing where we can check like activity on people's screens. I'm like, I would never use that on Marks because I'm just gonna see like, like comedy, Talladega Nights, like Talladega Nights, you know, Cartoon Network. <laughs> All right, well, well played, Terry Mulharm. Way to Good go! Good job. Well done. Proud winner of sixteen thousand eight hundred and sixty-four brandology bucks. Wow, man! Can't wait to see that in my Venmo account. That's a lot. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, our Tony, you got will you you got Tony? So you'll stay on the line afterward, and Tony will get in touch with you. Some wire transfer those me. technology bucks. Oh yeah. yeah, they will need to go to an offshore account though. <laughs> it's got to be offshore. <laughs> it's got to be offshore. It's not legal in the U.S. I'm sure. <laughs> or 37 other countries. <laughs> 37, and we list those on the notes of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so um, a couple things I do want to talk to you. Um, we're coming up near the hour, so I don't want to keep everybody too long. Um, you have a book coming out, from what I understand. Yeah. You have yeah. a nonprofit that you're starting, and yeah. you are have developed a really good reputation in financial planning, given your finance background. So tell us about that in your order of practice. Yeah, sure. I, I, I joined uh, Transamerica Agency Network a little over a year ago. Yeah. Um, I was brought in to do what I think I do best is grow, right? Grow the business 
expand the business, look at the operations that we're doing, that we had some things going very well, and then how do we grow that? You know, so as of today, I'm up to 14 advisors I've brought in. That's great. Um, you know, all in the first year. Um, I think in the company, I'm probably in the top 10 of, uh, in, in the role of 225 which i started i think number 225 in january wow <laughs> um, fantastic i landed has covid the had a fe- can i just ask without derailing you too much sure has covid affected you well it's kind of a unique thing i wasn't really expecting what would happen our core audience is educators so either ah. university or schools k-12 the big audience of ours. So when COVID hit, we went to virtual meetings. I don't think there was a better group prepared to do virtual meetings than teachers and professors who've been doing it yep. for a period of time. And all of a sudden they had time on their hands. Like, I got time. Yep. Let's do some retirement planning. So yep. our business actually picked up. Um, and then being able to do video calls save me four hours at you know in the car you know i could do more calls in a given week uh they're very receptive um so actually my business picked up i was able to bring out some additional advisors to help out the volume so here i was thinking you know my face-to-face business that i ran for the first you know six months here ended and it actually went in the opposite direction so interesting. So it's it a, it a little bit different than what I expected. And yet the results were still really positive and everything else. Yes. You know, our, my team is still producing in the top 10 in the country. Um, you know, we're still doing it extremely well. That's great. So, yeah. so tell us about the, uh, the book you have and the uh, nonprofit. So let's start with the book. So the book is, I, did final edits just over the weekend. Um, it's called Retirement. Congratulations, you've been promoted to CEO. Uh, <laughs> is the title of the book. Yep. Uh, the whole premise of it is that people don't understand the day they retire, they are working for their retirement. That retirement right. is their job, and really, and they are the CEO of it. They're the CEO of it. And but they don't take it seriously. They just think, no. well, the government will take care of me or um, my 401k, which given the volatility of the market and yeah. you know, everything and, and else that, can, can blow it away. Yep. And it really begins the day you start saving, right? Take right. it very seriously. This is not, you know, let's throw some money into a target date fund. Hopefully I'll be fine when I retire. No, right. it's, uh, and so what we do in the book is translate what top CEOs do mm-hmm. and how you should use those same principles in managing your retirement account. Oh, that's know, great. So they you don't take, take what a CEOs are doing on an active income producing uh, employment based venture and then comparing that to how you should be the CEO of your own retirement. Uh, you're retired. So there, that's it's brilliant. A, that's actually sections. brilliant. Yeah, that's excellent. Yes, yeah, three sections. You know, top CEOs take care of their mind. Mm-hmm. You know, they read, they read so much. Now, the average CEO reads a number of books every single month. That's they absolutely true. Every that's exactly magazine. right. 
And so if, you know, I think, you know, if you're going to be planning for retirement, you should be knowing about it, you should be reading about it, you should be studying it. Top CEOs take care of their body physically. Mm-hmm. You know, they really do. They're the ones in the gym in the morning. Yep. They're the ones running. They understand that there is a connection between mind and body. Um, and so it goes into that. And yep. then it goes into the financial stuff, right? You know, it's not set it and forget it. You know, right. you find the best people. CEOs do one thing above all else is find the best people to work for them, right? They're trying to find the top, you know, HR person, the top technology person, the top ops person. And your retirement, you should be thinking about the same way. I want the best financial planner, not a financial planner. I need a trust guy. I may need a CPA. You know, there's all these folks that can get involved into your retirement plan. And you should be really thinking, I want the very, very best person um, help me with that. Yep. So it kind of walks you through chapter by chapter. And there's a workbook that goes along with it. It says, you know, for this chapter, this is what your work should be done. And so by the time you get down the book, you kind of have your kind of retirement plan kind of built out that really thinks through all of it, your mental health, your physical health, your financial health. And if you leave a legacy behind, right? At some point, yep. People start thinking about their legacy, their kids, and you know, passing down dollars. You know, so it's your. Well, isn't that, I mean, that. when you go back in history, you look at the ancient Greeks, and they and Mark, we're going to get a little deep here, so you can go <laughs> the sandwich. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm deep like, like a Dixie. When cup. you like, hey, I tease him all the time, but I mean, their whole philosophy when you read the Iliad, Plato, Aristotle, all of that. I mean, it was all based on. Um, your legacy. It was all based on you only have a short period of time on the earth. Your value is not what you even do while you live. Your value is how long your existence can stretch after you pass. And retirement is is one of those aspects, right? Because there are some great people doing great things right now because of what people thought of a hundred years ago. And that's what's significant, right? There are there are some great people that have resources to be able to execute on their passions because they had a great grandfather that thought of them. And it's that type of forethought that is really remarkable in, uh, in retirement. What's also interesting that I wanna point out is we've had a number of financial planners on here, haven't we, Mark? Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, we have. Like, there's something about it because the brand is very big in financial planning, and they all are avid workout people early in the morning. Yep, every single oh, yeah. one of them. And I know you are, Terry. I, like, I know you. You work out I'm more than more than me. Every- like. But, but they, they're all like, oh, I, I belong to the 4 a.m. club or I belong yeah. to the 5 a.m. club. And they post about it all over LinkedIn. And I'm like, I'm part of that group too. And, and that's, that's what's kept me, it keeps me busy. It, it keeps me very, very active during the day because it gives me the energy as I get older and older and older uh, to keep going, right? It's, it's, it's yeah. quite amazing. I'm always impressed with myself. I'm getting to the gym at you know, like six, between six and six thirty. Yeah. But then I'm seeing like people coming out of the gym. I know. Like, what time did you guys get here? You know, I'm I know. Proud of myself. 
Well, that's usually me because I'm like plagued with anxiety from my mother or my grandmother. So I, I, I'm up like 3 a.m., 4 a.m. I'm just awake and I'm like, well, I might as well be up for the day. I get my outfit on, I go, I work out, I just go because I know I'm going to do it anyway and I might as well get the day started. And what's nice about that is if you want to take a break and go again, work-life balance, family, everything else, you want to take a break in the middle of the day to go pick up your kid or whatever. Nobody cares. Nobody judges you because you've been working since like 4 a.m. So you want to judge me for picking up my kid? Bite me. Like I just, <laughs> I just friggin' worked nine hours and you're just getting your lunch. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like, come on. It's, it's what work is about what you get done and what you get accomplished. Yeah. That's awesome. So tell me about the nonprofit. Okay. So the, the nonprofit came from my work with the the educators and mm. you know preparing them for retirement and so one of the questions I asked probably nine times out of ten is you know on a scale from you know zero to ten what's your you know comfort level with your retirement readiness you know where where do you think you stand right I was amazed at how people would say one really three. yeah I've got I've gotten one half Oh, and I'm not sure if I'm a zero or a one. I'm in that range. Um, so from that, I did a survey out to educators to just ask that question to get like a full good sample of and it. Of all the groups, honestly, what's shocking to me is this, is that of all the groups, Terry, you think educators would be more based on retirement than anybody else. They have the pension system built in for them. Yeah. We don't have that. Like in in private industry, we don't have what they have that publicly that public sector funded into like pension. So yeah. I'm and, shocked and them, they're like at a one or a zero. Well, most of them don't know how how it works exactly. Yeah, uh, is the funny part. So we did uh, a survey to figure out. You know, I'm like all the numbers I'm getting are really low. Is it really this way across the country? Oh, so that's a good question. A large survey, and here's the results. 64% of the folks scored themselves below a six. Oh, so that's an F. Wow. And in academia, right? Right. You get 60% on an exam, you're getting an F. Right. So teachers score themselves, you know, F 64% of the time. 30% score themselves at three or below. Wow. You know, that's not doing well in retirement readiness. Mm -mm. So here's how it breaks out. A's, 10%, B's, about 7%, C's, 7%, D's, 11%. The rest of them give themselves failing grades of being prepared for retirement. That's kind of said, okay, there's something that needs to be done here, you know? And so part of what the, you know, if you think of the ultimate goal of the nonprofit is to take them from whatever number they are to a 10 no matter where they start at. Say I'm a five, I want to get you to a 10. If you're at three, I want to get you to a 10. And so the nonprofit is set up in the, the, a three-step pyramid. Uh, the first step is really just content so, so they can really understand, do research, and we're wor really working on building out that content. Um, you know, you worked with the video guys and yep. we're phenomenal video content of how them to teach them, educate them, that's a part of it. There's a second layer 
um, <clears throat> where we have folks going out and building relationships directly with the institutions to do presentations to the entire school system of uh, saying, okay, this is what retirement's about. These are the risks for retirement. This is how the retirement plan works. Here's the pros and cons. You know, here's what you need to work on. So we're gonna do kind of like these <clears throat> probably remote sessions to begin with, but teach people in group settings. Mm -hmm. And then ultimately, the goal is to line up an educator with a fiduciary advisor and make sure every single person has a customized, individualized retirement plan done for them. That oh, they know exactly cool. where they stand. And so that's kind of the ultimate goal of the nonprofit is, you know, give, give people the content so they can learn, give them the presentations, and for as many as we can, let's get them a documented, retirement plan that's customized, it's optimized, and it gets them from whatever level they are today to a level 10. Yeah, you know, that's, that's the goal of the nonprofit. That's great. That's some really good advice. That's excellent. So uh, Mark, why don't you ask your final parting question that you always <laughs> ask all of our guests? I just, I like it because the, the answers are so different each time, um, and some of them very similar, but, um, when you were growing up and you were a little boy, what did, what did you want to be when you grew up? Well, well, part of it was I knew what I didn't want to do. I grew up in a hardware lumber center and I knew I didn't oh, want to- Oh, that's right. <laughs> I remember well, your go. dad owned the hardware store. My family owned the hardware store. the whole store. region there, that's and right. I think, you, I think you, went, you went into the hardware oh, store, yeah. didn't you? Met my yeah. brother and I all I met them and I was like, hey, this is not a bad gig. Like they, it was a pretty big, like, big establishment i was like it's they're doing pretty well yeah so Didn't they retired to like fort myers or like naples yeah or something? yeah, yeah it's fort not Myer a bad gig your dad, your dad had a brand idea like he was yeah. he knew what he was doing and my brother took it over and just sold it a few years ago and now he's retired oh i'm so jealous. Um, so i kind of knew like that's not what i wanted to do yeah right <laughs> so you know art was on my mind you know quite a bit of the time you know from probably seventh grade through ninth grade. Uh, something that was very creative. I loved sculpting, loved painting, you know, anything, in, I loved photography, you know, anything in that genre, I really thought I'd be in that space. So now photography is a hobby. I just got back from the Smoky Mountains for four days doing photography. Oh, wow, cool. So, That's so um, cool. So now it's, now it's a hobby. You know, and you know, once you know, this business gets up and running and I sell it off and maybe I'll become a professional photographer. Who right. Knows? Exactly. Well, once and that's once, book, once your book hits number one, right, then you can go ahead and just, just move to photography. And then you can come back on and share your photos, video <laughs> that, and you can tell us about your number one book. Yeah. Uh, I thought for sure your question was going to be my favorite quote. <laughs> I was waiting for that. Well, that, hey, no, that's a great well, one. That's, no, that, that was Mark's because Mark doesn't get that deep. Yeah, mine is more yeah. philosophical. Right. So, what is your favorite quote? So, one came across uh, Facebook the other day that I've been getting wrong forever. We'll see if you guys get it right. Okay, go ahead. I'm so, it starts quote. out. You can. It starts out. You can lead a horse to water. Yeah. But you can't teach it to drink. Wrong. See, you're really? getting it wrong. Really. Ride yeah. a horse to. You can ride a horse to water. You can lead a horse to water. But I'd rather ride them to the bar. 
<laughs> really? That is the right answer to that. I like yours much better. The, I like yours much better. Well, just visualize that. You're both tired or thirsty. Right, you know? right. That's <laughs> excellent. The other one, you're riding them. You got some money in your pocket. You meet your buddies at the saloon. It sounds like a much better poker. time, too. That's freaking great. That's uh, excellent. So I, that's what I realized I've been getting wrong forever. <laughs> of but course. But my yeah. true favorite quote is a quote that was on the wall at MBNA. So MBNA had quotes on all the walls. Yeah. And it was the one that was above my office. And it said that your attitude, not your aptitude, determines your altitude. Altitude. Yes, I remember that. Yeah, I've seen I've seen that before. Yeah, yeah that was well, I will tell you that Mark office. is Mark is somebody I look to for attitude as well. Because oh, yeah. I got tons of we have days where literally we will do a podcast at the end of the day. And Terry, I swear, we've I've been in like nine meetings, nine Zooms or in person <laughs> all day. And he's been in four of them. And they've been dumpster fires. <laughs> I mean, they've been like just clients, operations, just just bad. Like just a lot of information. We were just beaten up. And he's like, Hey, we're excited. Like, let's do this. And I'm like, how do you do that, man? Like, I yeah. always thought I was pretty optimistic, and yet I'm just beaten down by the end of the day. He's like, David, David, attitude is a choice. You have to choose to be optimistic. And I'm like, I choose to be pissed off. Like, I choose to be. It also, it also, it, it also cost me thousands of dollars in therapy to learn that. Catch yeah. Okay. Too. Well, there you go. <laughs> so I we all. Be transparent. Yeah, I believe I'm spending that now to learn that. So that's good. That's what, it, it, that's where I'm headed. So I'm I'm trying to reach that. It's the number one criteria that I have when I'm doing interviews for anyone for any position. If they can't pass the attitude tests, I won't yeah. hire them. Yeah, and that's it's, great. It's just so true. It is true. Well, hey Terry Mulhern, thank you so much. Uh, for your time, your wisdom, your insight. Um, this will be great. I know 100% that this is not our last conversation. So we will talk soon. And uh, we wish you the best of luck with your uh, book and your nonprofit. Uh, whatever links you have to the book or the nonprofit, we will put them in the yep. website and push those out as well. So uh, please, please, please look for that. Um, Terry has a lot of wisdom and a lot of benefit for... Um, uh, uh, the the offerings that he has and the um, insight that, that that he's offering. So I please take the time to uh, click on that link and uh, pay attention to that. And um, that's it, man. Thank you yeah, so much. Thanks so much. I appreciate that. Really uh, appreciate this, it, man. This has been fun. It's been Good. enjoyable catching up and Good. look forward to talking to you guys again soon. All right. Absolutely. We thanks, will, we, I promise you we'll talk soon, man. All right. All right. You guys are very cool. Mark and I want to take a moment and thank everyone that listens and subscribes to our podcast. It means a lot. We're truly trying to make this one that we ourselves would find interesting and find entertaining. Um, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, or ideas for subjects, great brands that have risen and fallen, great case studies, or fantastic guests that you'd like to see, please reach out to us. Brandology Podcast Staff at gmail.com. That's Brandology Podcast Staff at gmail.com. 
Hey, David, that was another great episode. We tend to post one or two a week. Uh, unfortunately, don't really have a way of wrapping this up. No, uh, no, we really don't have anything formal or fancy or technological. Um, thank you for listening. Please follow and subscribe. Turn notifications on so that when we post the next episode, you will be notified of the new content. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We really appreciate it. Everyone, thanks for listening.